Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. Ben is Back is a 2018 film with Julia Roberts and Lucas Hedges. Um, family drama concerning opiate addiction and um, challenges that, that are faced when there is a family member um, in, 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 in trouble lack of a better word. Uh, joining us today to talk about many of the themes addressed in the film is Sharla, who is um, advocate for um, NAMI, uh, family to family um, programs. Um, Sharla, thank you so much for, for being here today. I, I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, Brian. Um, now, I do want to mention a couple of resources uh, up front for, for those out there. If you are in a place where you do need someone to um, reach out to today, I know that there are a couple different crisis text lines available in the U.S. You can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. In the U.K., you can text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. Depending upon where you are in the world, uh, check your local listings, as they say. Um, Charlotte, thank you so much for being here today. I, I appreciate it. No, no problem, Brian. It's my pleasure. Right now, um, now, one of the reasons, well, actually, the, the underlying reason, I guess, and, and we had talked about this um, off mic, and I know that people who um, follow the, the social media know why I've reached out to different areas of, of advocacy. Uh, and that, that reason is I was, um, had, had a not too pleasant experience recently where I, I was essentially cyber mopped and cyber bullied and blocked and canceled and lots of other uh, not so nice things by a different area of uh, advocacy and, and mental health. And uh, rather than get, um, you know, do anything to make the matter worse, what I thought it would be more productive to just reach out to those different areas of advocacy, because we are, we are all working for, for the same goal, you know, for people getting better, getting well. And so obviously to being in different areas of advocacy, there, there, there may be, um, you know, minor areas of disagreement and whatnot, but that's actually not what we're talking about today. Um, and, and I did want to acknowledge, I, I think this is the first time you're speaking on, on a podcast. So again, I, I want to thank you for, for speaking with me again. I know um, podcast is, it's really like, uh, like talking on the phone, but there's a bunch of our millions of closest friends eavesdropping in. That's probably <laughs> a, 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 way of, a way of putting it in, in lack of, for lack of a better word. Um, but what um so i guess we can start, start from the beginning what um what said you on your, on your journey into this area of, of advocacy well my journey began um a few years ago my daughter struggled with opiate use um and prior to that she had been diagnosed with uh, ptsd um that's post-traumatic stress disorder um, she was diagnosed right around 12 years old, uh, following a car accident where she had been hit by a drug driver while riding her bike on a sidewalk. Um, and just my journey with her 
going through and educating myself both about PTSD, um, also with the opiate crisis when she hit her teenage years and started dabbling. Um, it led me on this, this journey where I, I, I kind of felt alone in a, in a lot of ways because when you're looking at addiction and you're looking at mental illness, um, there isn't really a group where the two really come together. Um, there's a lot of addiction groups for families and there's, a, there's mental health groups for families. There's not one that really encompasses both in my opinion. So I was at a parent group, um, locally it's called Parents Helping Parents. And it's kind of a resource group where they invite people to come in and speak and give you information. There was a counselor um, and I kind of stayed after the group and went up to her and I'm, oh, you know, as a parent, I'm really trying to do this right. Like, what do I do? I mean, the 12 steps and everything talks to parents or speaks to parents rather that they have to hit a bottom. But my daughter had a brain injury and is living with PTSD. And this, this counselor said to me, you know, she doesn't have a bottom. Her bottom's the grave. And so the best that you could do is try to go in both areas. So that's when I got involved in NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And I still went to the other group, but I never really felt like I fit in, you know, because a lot of the addiction groups, they do, they tell the parents, I mean, you have to let them hit their bottom, you know, can't really help them because, you know, you're enabling them, um, you know, and, and if you try to explain to them, well, wait, my, my kid had a brain injury and she has, you know, a, a mental health disorder, um, then I'm codependent. So those are two words, yeah. <laughs> codependent and enabling. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I did want to acknowledge something you had said that resonates with me. And I imagine it, it, I hope it doesn't resonate with too many people, but what you had said about not feeling um, like, like you fit in, in in some groups. And I have found myself in a similar situation many times because in the different areas of mental health where there's almost like extreme sides where it's there's a the very polarized environment where there's one side that, that's pro everything another side that's anti everything and in actuality a lot of the work and support being done in so many areas is you know all, all the shades of gray and all the all the nuances and so there are a lot of times where I I don't want to mention the name, the name of the organization, but there are different um, support groups that, and this is like pre-COVID when I when I would attend mm -hmm. in person, where I just I just wasn't feeling it. I I just went to a two or three meetings, probably four, maybe no more than maybe five, five meetings, and I just I just wasn't feeling it. And I did not feel like I could relate to the people who, who were sharing. Mm -hmm. And, and, that, and that's part of what, what brought me to, you know, to podcasting was kind of just to make sense of a lot of what I wasn't able to, um, you know, to, to, to make sense of, if that makes sense. Um, now, to no, you're totally right, Brian. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say, like, one of the groups I can tell you, oh my gosh, 
there was, because they tell you, you have to go to more than three meetings because you could go to a bad meeting, right? Exactly. Yeah. So the first time you're going to get a kick out of this, I went into the wrong room. And <laughs> it's kidding. It's humbling when you get kicked out of a meeting uh, because, you know, you don't belong here. Oh, yeah. oh okay. You got to go to the other room. So, yeah. okay. I went to the other room and I felt like it was an hour of my life. I could never get back. I, we sat and talked about a number, like it was an inanimate object. And at the end, I found myself looking at this woman going, where'd you hide the bodies? I, I, I for the life of me, couldn't understand. <laughs> but, you know, and I go, how is this supposed to give me hope? How is yeah. this giving me tools yeah. to help my loved one? You yeah. know? Yeah. Well, one of the interesting so, things yeah. that, and, and I alluded to areas of, of disagreement, and, and of course, this isn't the, the podcast to, you know, hash out the disagreement and have an argument. And hey, can I have my <laughs> podcast to have an argument? How, how would that sound? No, I no. So it's not, not about any uh, disagreements. <laughs> or whatnot. But one thing, um, there's a couple interviews that I've got coming up a- after this one. And for the for the areas of disagreement and and not, not going to lie, you know, there are areas of, of disagreement as far as, um, you know, d- you know, not, not getting into the d- d- details of what those are, but um, one of the, I'm actually, and both guests had mentioned that a lot, that there's essentially a mental health uh, industry in a way, that mm-hmm. it's essentially a, um, like, like a big business, you know, uh, organizations that are operation that are operating like corporations and a lot of money driving public policy. And mm-hmm. this, do you, do you agree with that, that sentiment that, that a lot of it is driven not by public interest or public safety per se, but more for, for, you know, for, for, business or, or for, for profit or did you think that's kind of you know melodramatic mm. or, or or whatnot <laughs> well brian i'm not gonna call you melodramatic but <laughs> i you know i guess a couple things first is is that you know so in my journey going to nami i stuck with nami because it was an all volunteer organization um you know started back in the 70s by a group you know, friends that got together. And so it's truly grassroots. I mean, it's run completely by volunteers. And and that's what was appealing to me is nobody's being paid to be in the room. We all have the same pay grade, you know? Correct. And so people were involved at different levels kind of based on where their passions and their talents lie. Um, and so that was, I felt really at home there because even though they didn't completely understand the journey that I was going through, you know, as a parent with someone struggling with addiction, the PTSD was such a big part, or as you probably know, mental illness is such a big part of what drives a lot of the things that our society does struggle with. It really does. I mean, you look at, you know, depression, you have people as famous as Robin Williams or Chester Bennington, you know, the struggle with depression, uh, depression and end up committing suicide. The, the, the guy know? from uh, Link, Lincoln Park who, who don't. Yes. Who, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah. No, I was a huge Lincoln Park fan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I just wanted to mention that because I, I, I know um, and 
yeah, it's hard to, to, to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I just wanted to mention that. No, no, that's okay. My, my doctor, <laughs> no. Um, but um, but yeah, and, and as far as like the, the public faces of of uh, mental health um, go, and, and when we when we lose people to to suicide, um, I I did want to um, ask you. Now this film, Ben is back. Ben is back. It's obviously a a um, Hollywood. Um, yeah. I think it's a Hollywood studio production as opposed to like an independent film that was picked up, but the obviously with, with any movie you get um, a, a certain degree of dramatic license to to you know which is be a, a generous way of, of of putting it many ways um but this movie did not really resonate with you when 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 you had had seen it though so i understand well i was disappointed <laughs> the reason i was disappointed is because it had such potential <laughs> You know, like Julia Roberts is an amazing actress and you could tell she really dove into the, the character um, and showing the role of like she was the mom. And, and, and I know moms just like her who was really almost obsessed with her son's recovery. OK, mm -hmm. she really she was. But one of the things that, and, and you saw how the family kind of circled around and supported her, at least tried to support her. Sure. They also tried to act as a barrier at different times to keep her from going and helping Ben, um, which I thought was a little dramatic, but it, I mean, it could be true, you know, but when a family is going through something as serious as relapse or, you know, struggling with addiction, it is really like almost Hollywood horror at times. Mm -hmm you know, dealing with drug dealers, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that can be real life. That, 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 that is someone's reality. But where it fell short for me is there were moments where they talked about mental illness and it, and it just barely creeped in there. And then the door was shut. They really could have had uh, an impact with some families, I feel, that, that mental illness is what drove them to addiction. You know, one of the most frustrating parts in, in the industry is a lot of people will tell you, if you go to them and you talk to them and go, hey, you know, my daughter has PTSD and, and she's an addict. And they'll go, oh, well, it's always the chicken or the egg. Oh, I hate that saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I know which is the chicken and which is the egg. She had mental illness way before she had addiction. So I wonder if if people just get caught up in in addressing the symptoms and they never go back to the cause they never go back to you know if it's the mental illness that's driving the addiction industry why are we not addressing mental illness more oh absolutely. you know that's, so that, that's that's where i thought the movie felt short is it could have really gone into an area that's so poorly served and that is exposing you know, how if you leave depression alone too long, this is what it's going to look like or anxiety, you know, or uh, borderline personality disorder or schizophrenia, you know. Um, yeah, you leave it alone too long, unmedicated, untreated, people self-medicate. They find a way to, you know, silence the voices or to be able to focus more because let's face it, we all want to fit in. Absolutely. So, but as far as the the film goes, so with what you're talking about, then do you think it was kind of treated as like 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 a cop out? In other words, and not really 
digging deeper into it, but just kind of treating it as, as like a, like a cop out? Um, perhaps I, it may be, maybe that's what the, the film kind of skirted. I don't know. I think also looking at Julia Roberts character, you know, um, and she was struggling with depression in the movie. They didn't really talk about that. I mean, yeah, she had a sponsor that she would call once in a while, but it, it, it just, oh, I mean, may, maybe it was to point out some of the horrible parts of the journey, but I think that they could have given more solutions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, and I'm, I'm just sort of smiling to myself, not, not at, the, you know, obviously the, the, at, at this good productive conversation we're having, but um, I was just smiling because this is being recorded and people are going to hear this in, in the time when, I guess, what is this, Oscar season right now? And every year I notice that there's always a lot of um, hand-wringing and observation about how um, d depressing, I don't know, would that be the right word? That a lot of the Oscar nominated Oscar nominated movies are, and I know that Ben is back, and I think there was another film at the same time, Beautiful Beautiful Boy, the one with um, Steve, oh, Steve yeah. Carell. Neither of those movies are what <laughs> any reasonable person would say are exactly uplifting and and, and cheery feel good movies, and yeah. so it's so I just I just kind of just make that that just brief observation that they're there tends to be a lot of um and i, I think when, when a film is is so serious such as bed is built that is back there's often a that serious tone is mm -hmm. often treated as like an excuse if that makes sense for mm -hmm. the shortcomings of what you described whereas if it, it had been a, a more tonally uh, mixed movie it would have been able to address a lot of those points whereas if it's on one you know, you know what i mean where where if it's already mm -hmm. set in one one tone the movie has to sort of follow that tone in order to be a successful movie if that makes sense it does and it's kind of sad you know because then we're really putting the movie out to entertain versus educate and exactly. i think that that's where exactly. the huge difference is Mm -hmm. Definitely. And so what happens when you put a movie like that out and you miss the opportunity to educate, you're creating shame because people go, oh, God, I can identify with her. Oh, that's bad. You know, and it keeps the stigma a barrier from them to go in and seeking help. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and then you get, uh, you know, the perennial hand wringing of, oh, these Oscar nominated movies are, are so, and I'm not going to mention any of them because I don't want to, I don't want to get any hate mail from right. people saying that I'm picking on the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I just want, want to clarify that I'm not going to mention any movies by name that, you know, in, in relation to the Oscars. Um, but, but, but therein lies the, you know, the, the, the re recurring cycle of, because the films are in many ways not the most accurate that in turn it leads to th th that shame like you um, are, are describing mm -hmm. and um now on that point I, I i did want to ask you do you think that when someone does see a depiction of something on on film do you think that that, that it it does always lead to you know, reaching out and asking for help, or do you think it leads to um, 
kind of fear of, of seeking out or, or, or a little of both? Or where, where do you stand on that as far as seeing depictions of it on, on film? I know that the people involved with the film, film would like for you to believe that it would mm -hmm. encourage you to reach out. But I think that some of these films do the absolute opposite. <laughs> you know, I, I really do because speaking as a parent who suffered in silence for so long, you know, and I just wanted to find a place where I fit in. Sure. Watching these films, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> sure. it, it, it just, it was like, okay, depression, move on. And, and there was, you know, I, they really could have flushed things out better in my mm -hmm. opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the beautiful boy, I don't know. I think I, shared with you off of um off air um i actually prepared like i knew that movie was coming out at the time i a, a group i was volunteering with you know i want to say it was based on one of the sons in, the, in that organization i thought oh this is gonna be really good you know i had really high hopes mm -hmm. i actually brought my daughter to a movie theater to sit through it and i was prepared like this will start a conversation mm -hmm. No, we both left. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> why? Why did yeah. they pull back? Why did they pull back? And a lot of people say that movie is really harsh, but I think that that movie came close, you know? And maybe that's where we're at as a society is we can't see the whole picture. We come close enough, go, oh, there it is. Let's turn around, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, oh, but absolutely. I think at one point we're going to have to embrace the whole picture, you know, and really struggle with the mental health side of it. Mm -hmm you know, oh, um, that's so we can get people real help. Exactly. And that's something that I, I can definitely say we're in agreement 100% as far as there's often a tendency in our society to just say mission accomplished when a movie comes out mm -hmm. on the assumption that, and it is an assumption that, that, that the film will somehow be a, a catalyst towards, um, people seeking help and getting treatment or whatnot. And that's not always the case. It's often uh, a feeling of, like I said, mission accomplished. So, well, we, we, you know, we, we told the story and, and yet it's often not a complete story being told, which leads mm -hmm. to a lot of the, um, you know, the, the drawbacks, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I often absolutely. think I often think if there'd be more effort put into the story and less attention on what effect it would have, I think that ultimately would would do more good, I think. Mm -hmm. Without so no, much absolutely. attention for, you know, what effect it would have, but rather, um, you know, because there, there's any time anytime there's a movie, you have two hours to work with, which I think would a hundred page screenplay or not sure if that's still the case or not, depending upon notes or whatnot. But, but for every two hour movie, I mean, there, it would have to be at least a three or four hour movie. Mm -hmm. And there, obviously when, when you're making a film, you have, you know, difficult decisions to make. You might have a producer, you might have, you know, all these different cooks in the kitchen saying, okay, well, no, we want this to be on the finished print. We want this to be on the print. And often, you know, it, it seems, you know, relatively um, understood that there are cuts that are made. And part of me wonders if going back to the director's vision of a film, you know, whether it's the, I think right now that you have like this 
Justice League director's cut that's, you know, examples like that where you go back and, and look at, okay, well, maybe the director intended this. And then you, you know what I mean? So part of me wonders if getting back to that director's vision would mm-hmm. be a step in the right direction. No, absolutely. Like, what is the purpose? Why are we putting this out? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but now, from your experience, have, have you encountered a lot of the, um, I don't want to say animosity necessarily, but yeah, I guess I'll say animosity, animosity or territorialism in, in different areas of advocacy, because I hadn't really thought about it until fairly recently, mm-hmm. you know, having been um, treated like I'm a, I'm a horrible person and, you know, um, and all the stuff that goes with it. And it never occurred to me that in the course of me doing what I'm doing, that there may be families or parents or caregivers who take offense at what I'm doing or take offense at other, you know, have you encountered that at all in terms of like the different areas of advocacy and, and different sides sort of, you know, taking sides as it were, have, have you encountered that or is it tends to be like a, you know, a, a rare and isolated um, occurrence that I've encountered? No, I don't think it's rare. I have encountered it. I think part of the problem, if we just started with just the, um, the vocabulary, I, I mean, if you just start with something simple, you know, addiction and mental health are always lobbed together. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but you can have someone who's living with mental health, you know, illness or, or mental illness that isn't an addict. But even if you look at the words like relapse, that's stigmatizing because I can have, you know, schizophrenia and not be an addict, but relapse is the same term that we would use for someone who, you know, went back to using drugs again. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it tends to be a lot of very judgmental language and a lot Mm -hmm. of shaming language that essentially hinders the, 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 the recovery that um, would otherwise be taking place. It, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. So if you just started with something like that, you go, oh yeah, I see it. But even in circles, you know, like going to that one support group, <laughs> there'd be parents that were like, like I was an alien when I mentioned that um, my daughter had PTSD because they couldn't fathom that, you know? Um, So it isolates people, you know, Um, just, you have to find your group. Although oftentimes that's confusing because they want to lobby all together, but you don't all fit together. Correct. And and that (laughs) right there is what, I'm sort of having a hard time with, and what I mean by that is, there's often a lot of um, rallying or you know wanting to build coalitions to get legislation passed, whether it's federal legislation or whether it's at a local level. And yet, <laughs> there's experiences such as what I've encountered, where I'm essentially kicked in the teeth and, and, and blocked and canceled and kicked out of groups. So essentially, that means that there's a potential voter 
a potential ally, someone who would otherwise vote for legislation that would, you know, help um, some some of these public policy issues, and yet I become persona non grata for many of of, of, the, of these mm-hmm. um, organizations, and it's it feels like many of the people who are setting these policies sort of oper- are operating from like a high school you know high school um, drama queen sort of attitude rather mm. than a more mature professional because uh, you don't you don't well I shouldn't say you don't really see it anymore because you probably should <laughs> think about our, our current <laughs> state of affairs but you really don't see grown-ups in in Congress or the state legislature or, or in Washington acting like like a 12 year old you know and yet that's what I've encountered with a lot of um, different areas of advocacy there have been some areas like for the people talking about bipolar about depression anxiety suicide prevention by and large they tend to conduct themselves in a more diplomatic manner and more mature manner and yet they're by and large when it has been the you know the the family groups and whatnot those have tended to be the ones who have treated me like like a hostile aggressor and that's that's been hard for me to 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 wrap my head around (laughs) because if we're working for for the same things and we want Mm -hmm. we want the, the same things yet there might be some disagreement about the best way to, to get those to, to mm-hmm. those goals i don't understand why i don't understand what's to be gained by you know by by burning bridges rather than than building bridges and extending dialogue and whatnot that's what i've had a hard time with no, I can understand. I can I can see why you would have a hard time with that. Yeah. I guess uh, not knowing the group themselves, yeah. um, you know, it's hard. You you have to keep in mind anytime you're you know approaching or communicating with any of these groups that the person there's a person that you're dealing with. It isn't necessarily representative of the whole group. Yeah, you know. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> True. You can have. You could have one person that that is having an off day, you know, but that's not representative of the whole group, you know. Correct. And, and I I I can say that even with with Nami, I mean, we're all volunteers, but at any given time, any one of us have a crisis <laughs> or you know something else going on in our own lives, and unfortunately, that sometimes comes into our interactions with other people <laughs> unintentionally, you know, because you try like you know, being a family to family teacher, you try to keep your, your stuff aside while you're trying to give this information, but you are human, you know? And True. so there's sometimes someone will say something that triggers you and you're like, Oh yeah, I remember. And it takes you off of the focus or the topic of, of what the class was, you know? True. Yeah. Because you're, you're, and you're right. That is something that I am slowly, but surely um, getting, um, 
you know, realizing that it that they're, they're you know, we're talking about people and not uh-huh. not, not machines or, or you know robots, but but people. And so that is that that I am you know slowly but surely getting more um, you know understanding of and and empathetic to and whatnot. Um, but I mean, when when we're talking and just so you know, we we had a very productive conversation you know prior to to recording, and and you're cool and you're down to earth, and. Thank you. Um, I sort of, I sort of wish that there could be more people <laughs> like you and other, you know what I mean? Because it's been nothing but, a, you know, a, a pleasant conversation talking with you like that on, on mic as well as off mic. And I can't really say the same universally for everyone else that, that I've approached. <laughs> and, I, and I sort of wish I could because, there, there should be just because if, if we're all in agreement, and I think we are, that we're kind of at a crisis. And I don't mean just mean you know with COVID, but I mean just in general, you know, apart from oh, COVID, uh, just if we're at a, like an urgent crisis level, then that should, you know, logic would dictate that there should be some concession being made to work together to to resolve you know whatever else and, and and undoubtedly there's probably an infinite number of uh issues and, and dilemmas that we, we can work together on to to solve to um to, to improve things and yet it feels like there's a lot of territorialism to kind of like mm-hmm. claim owner like someone wants to take ownership of certain um you know, uh, stuff that needs to be done and they don't welcome assistance from, you know, outside parties, in other words. Right. That's Which is really sad. I mean, and it does hold, you know, us collectively as a group behind. You know, I think I was telling you in my more recent journey with my daughter, I came into contact with um, a homeless camp, a rather large homeless camp in in Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me after my interactions, you know, we could solve the homeless problem. The reason that we can't right now is because our mental health system is in such a crisis. Our mental health system couldn't handle us solving the homeless problem right now because probably 90% of the people that I came into contact with were struggling or living with you know, um, some form of mental illness. Some of them were co-occurring. So they were, you know, using, um, you know, illegal substances to self-medicate. Um, but there, I saw a lot of schizophrenia. I saw a lot of bipolar, a lot of anxiety. And in my mind, you know, there was one gentleman in particular that I spoke to. I had maybe a 10 minute conversation with him. And I thought, if a police officer stopped and gave him 10 minutes, there'd be no way on God's green earth that this man does not meet criteria to being seen in a a mental health hospital. Mm -hmm. But here lies the problem. Our hospitals are already full. Mm -hmm. So until we really get to fixing the problem or at least coming up with a better solution for the problem, Mm -hmm. there are problems like homelessness Mm -hmm. or addiction that will be, you know, in my opinion, a result of a poor working mental health system. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm so glad you, you mentioned that because on, on your area of, of advocacy, 
and some of the other interviews coming up, um, you know, shortly. Um, you're at an advantage, a significant advantage. And what I mean by that is, um, for, for my, from, from what I'm doing on my, on my side of, you know, I don't want to say sides, but on my area of advocacy, <laughs> it tends to be specifically, you know, depression only or, or bipolar only, or, you know, anything else, you know, fill in the blank only. And with what, what, uh-huh. what you're talking about right now, on, on your area of advocacy, it tends to be more public policy type of issues where it's um, the homelessness issue, where it, it's in some cases might be incarceration, where it might, you know, any number of different mm-hmm. scenarios where it's all wrapped in a, you know, a little package with, with, with a nice bow. And so that, that so you, you can, can get more two birds with one stone, basically, not just, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's, so, so that's the thing that just I think is so cool that you've got the the, the related uh, social issues and, and, and public health issues, um, which are all interrelated into mm-hmm. a, you know a social justice issue, and having it be and you know kind of, kind of like a package deal as it were, is a more efficient and productive way, I think, to to approach it. Because it, mm-hmm. because it doesn't occur in, in a vacuum. It, sure. it, it does not occur in a vacuum. And so when someone like myself or other, other guests that I've had on who are, you know, I don't want to say limited to, to, you know, to, one, to one focus, but in many ways, you know, we are. <laughs> whereas, whereas you are at an advantage. And like I said, I, th- I think that's, that's someone who I would want at the table. I would, that's someone who I would want, you know, speaking on my behalf as well as other people in the audience who are going through a hard time. And I just, I just wanted, wanted to, to acknowledge that because I, I think that when there's someone who can approach it from like a, kind of like a package deal, sort of, sort of, so to speak, versus just one topic only or one focus only, I think that that's a more e- efficient way to approach it. Because, you know, people are busy, mm-hmm. people are, you know, and, and by having it, you know, approaching it from a more holistic and social justice sort of um, way that you're approaching it, I think that's, that's just, um, like I said, you're at, at an advantage. And um, I, I wish that it could be more, I wish it could be more common, I guess would be the way of putting it. I wish it'd be more, more commonly understood to, to mm-hmm. be that way rather because I think that's part of the reason why I think that a lot of the, these issues have, have dragged on for so long that they've been addressed just in a vacuum without regard for, for the bigger picture of it. Absolutely and and you know and it's a little off topic but if you look at the homeless problem for instance I mean that's totally been the case mm-hmm. you know you have a group that comes in and goes Oh, they're living in tents in the woods. Well, let's build them little houses. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, that's really not going to solve the problem. Yeah, you're just going to have little houses that become the tents in the woods, or that's if they'll go to the little houses. Okay, mm-hmm. so the folks I've talked to probably, I mean, it got to be negative twenty, and mm-hmm. and I was out in it, you yeah. know. And at that point, we had like a state. It was a freezing ice storm and we had like a state of emergency in Oklahoma and police at one point were advised if you came across someone 
you know, um, please, you know, take them to a shelter. And I, I had been taking people to shelters, you know, please don't tell my husband. Okay. <laughs> that's supposed to get people rise. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's just the kind of person I am. And I would run into, there was one in particular guy. Oh, I'll never forget it. It was across the street from the Salvation Army, which the Salvation Army complex here is huge and it's beautiful. I mean, it, 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 but across the street, not so glamorous on the sidewalk, there was this pile of clothing and some boxes. And, and I was just driving along and, and mind you, a snow packed area. I, I look over and I go, Oh, surely there's not a person in there, but I stopped just to double check. And there was this little old man in there and he pulled his head up where I could see he was in there. I go, please come with me. Let me take you to the shelter. And he's like, no, I'm good. No, no. I don't think you get it. <laughs> You're not good. It's going to get yeah. worse before it gets better. And I don't want you to die out here. And he goes, no, no, I promise if it gets really bad that I'll go. But it just really resonated with me, him, his, his, you know, instinct to stay no matter what I'm, this is my spot, you know? And it's like, there's no way that that man was thinking with a full toolbox upstairs. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because logically that doesn't make any sense. Okay. And then there was another gentleman I talked to that, you know, he refused to go to the warming shelter, even though I assured him, I mean, the shelter, it, they, they'd opened it up. They weren't doing drug testing, which that was a big obstacle for a lot of them. They're like, there's no way I can go sober into a warming center. I'm like, no, no, they're not drug testing. They're not, you know, doing breathalyzers, any of that stuff. They're just gonna give you a bed. You have your own bed. They're going to feed you. And it was like, I can't go there. This was God's honest truth, Brian. I can't go there because I'll get the COVID. Mm. So a bigger conversation that needs to take place, you know, in order to solve a very big problem. I mean, there were people that were homeless anywhere from addiction, but also because they just felt like nobody loved them. Nobody cared. There, there were people out there that, yeah, they had lost their job. There, there's the rare people that were out there that lost their job recently because of the COVID and they just didn't have money. Those people were far few between. I ran into more times than not people who have been on the streets for more than 10 years. And, and you had mentioned off topic and I don't know necessarily if it is off topic. So it definitely would be in line with, with what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. but, um, so 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 true though that it is um, the the whole you know big picture of it. Um, now I, I did want to ask how how is your, your daughter doing uh, currently, and and how how are you how are you doing today? I I, I can't believe I did not ask that um, previously. <laughs> no, that's no, probably, that's okay. yeah. no, she's she's in treatment, um, and so um, I I was very fortunate. Um, it was like winning the lottery to get her into a particular treatment center that is addressing all of her issues because those are so hard to find. And, and if you find them, usually they don't have beds. And so I was very fortunate that she fit the bill and got the bed, you know, and she's getting the help and she's getting um, the help she's probably needed for years. You know, it was a long road. Um, so often, um, whether it's your mental illness and you're, you're triggered and you get into this state of fear or flight or flight, which is where she goes often. 
Um, treatment centers anymore, they want to kick you out after seven days. I can't tell you, uh, I don't know if I did tell you, Brian, in the month of December alone, I took her to an emergency room four times, only for her to be released several times. And, and at the time I was taking her, she was suicidal. And she admitted that to the, the medical staff. And they tried to talk her out of being suicidal. And I, that's not really yeah. how we address this. But yeah. Yeah. it was a really dark, dark road that she was going down to. And it started with the death of a friend. And it just slid downhill really fast, as, as it does for a lot of people who are living with mental illness. Mm. And you never know what I, what's going to be that, that thing that puts it all into motion for you, where you need, you know, quick intervention and you need to get help and, you know, before it gets too bad. And so thank God today she is getting help. Um, and it's going to be on seven days. You know, we, I want to say in the last two years, she's, this will be her fifth center, but finally we're at a center that's going to keep her more than a week or two, you know, because our society, and I don't know why that is. They think we're going to give you a pill and you're going to be all good in a week. No, Mm -hmm. it, it it doesn't work like that when you're Mm -hmm. talking about a brain disorder, you know, um, it wasn't until after she had been inpatient for about three weeks that I started to hear a person that I recognized, Cool. you know? Cool. And so it just, it, it, it takes time, but she is doing amazing today, you know? And I feel like our relationship is stronger than it's ever been. You know, we really communicate well with each other, but it has been a long road. And, you know, I think if I was going to give someone hope out there that might have, you know, a loved one that's living with mental illness or struggling with substance abuse, it's don't look for one fix. There, there is not a one pill, a one program, a one anything that is going to help you. You have to really look at a whole wide variety because we're all individuals. And so we all need something different. You know, it's just the key is finding what that is, you know, and really gravitating towards that. So, so, so true. That is so, so true. And I think that's my, that, that can often be what leads to people feeling discouraged or um, hopeless. Uh, I, I dare say um, hopeless. Um, if they feel like, you know, they've, they've been led to believe that, you know, one, one person's way is the only way to approach it. And that's not, that's not the case at all. Like you said, it's, it can be a myriad of different um, approaches, not just one and done and one, you know, one size fits all. Absolutely. There definitely is not one size that fits all. And, you know, there's many times over the last few years that I really felt like, oh my God, you know, I, I felt like the alien. I felt like I was alone. And what I come to realize is I just hadn't found my people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just not to give up you know, and keep trying and, and you will find, I mean, now I, I do, I run into people in, you know, odd situations, even that are like, I can relate to you. I can totally get it, yeah. you know, and, and people that I can inspire, but also that inspire me. Cool. Cool. And, and, and I'm confident that conversations like this w- would be a step in the right direction. So that if there's anyone, you know, in, in my area of advocacy, so that we can be more um, conscientious and, and uh, mindful 
of um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and vice versa. So that you know, because like I said, we're we're all working toward the same thing. Um, we just have you know, may have be in different um, areas. You know, some of the, the details might be different, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we all want want the same thing. So I, I, I'm definitely Absolutely. confident that this conversation will will be a step in, in the right direction. Absolutely, and and I was going to leave you, Brian, with uh -huh. this this thought when when I was at that homeless camp and later. Um, you know, I ended up speaking with a police officer and he's like, oh my God, I can't believe you went down there without a gun. <laughs> and here's the thing. I, and, and I told him, you probably couldn't go down there without a gun. But I yeah. said, here's the thing I had that you don't, mm -hmm. you know, I had a picture of a girl I was looking for and every single person that I talked to in that homeless camp, they all wanted a me out there. Yeah. That's the thing I think so often we all forget mm -hmm. is that everybody wants someone to love them. Mm -hmm. We all want connection, mm -hmm. you know, and we never, we, we should never put people in a box or a group in a box and forget that, that we all kind of need that same thing. Oh, true. And that is something that um, definitely music to my ears to hear that <laughs> because uh, you'd be surprised how often that, that is not really mentioned or even addressed, um, you know, oddly enough, um, in a lot of circles. So, um, so thank, thank you for that. I, I appreciate it. Um, uh, as we wind down, I, I did want to mention a, a few more resources for everyone out there. I know that there is Mental Health America, MHANational.org. There's also NAMI, as you mentioned, NAMI.org. Um, there's some people have also mentioned MaddenAmerica.com. Um, so, um, so Charles, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. No problem, Brian. And the last thing I wanted to tell you is that when you mentioned NAMI, uh -huh. yes. thank God for the COVID, a lot of their groups are currently via Zoom or online. So you can live anywhere in the country and join a group. It's a free group. I just know that, that the family to family changed my life. It really did. It really opened my eyes as a parent. And I would highly recommend that class to anyone. If you love someone who's living with depression, anxiety, um, PTSD, uh, bipolar, or even schizophrenia, that is a starting point. If they're under the age of 18, the class is called basics, but everything is always free with NAMI. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, it doesn't cost you a thing to try. Oh, absolutely. And, and I've heard nothing but, but good things about that particular um, NAMI group, particularly at uh, different and it is a locally based. So I think you're you're in the East Coast, uh, depending on where you're listening, check your you know local NAMI to see what what their local um, program is. So it, but it is, as you had mentioned, it is local. Well, is it no? It's a nationwide. Oh no! I mean, I mean the the local um, affiliate. I mean, yes, the nationwide program, but local local affiliate. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Correct. Yeah. Cool. Um, anything else that I did not ask you about that that you you, you wanted to, to mention? Uh, not that I can think of. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks again <laughs> so much. Lots lots of good info here, and um, like that, I'm hoping this conversation will will be a step in the right direction towards. You know, more more dialogue and more um, you know fence building and 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 more um, you know you know 
working together towards um, you know co common goals. So um, thank you so much, much for listening. Um, stay safe, everyone, and uh, talk to you next time. Uh, bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye.